Hello and welcome. My name is Tim. And I'm Dante. And I'm Herfy Durfy. And this is Go Mode. Uh, uh, I, I don't think I can go on. A I... link to the past. Dante. Randomizer Podcast. Herf, my friends, my friends came through and together we were able to accomplish the goal of saying the name of this podcast. Thank you guys so much. Teamwork, right? Yay, we did it. Exactly. Like, Teamwork. we can't let you fall on that sword all by yourself every time. That's uh, That means so much to me. It's It feels good to have friends around, and uh, that is something that we're going to talk about today. That's the focus of today's episode, randomizer with two players, whether that means versus or co-op. Um, you know, we've just kind of uh, brainstormed all the ways that we can think of that we've heard of people playing this game uh, co-op or, you know, with two people or in some cases way more than two people and uh, just talk about how you can get your friends involved with rando, even ones that are maybe not huge rando players currently. So really excited to get into that. How have you guys been? Oh, pretty all right. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm suffering a little from, uh, I'm under the weather as they say, but no worries. It's no COVID-19. And, uh, I don't need to be quarantined, and I'm not contagious, hopefully, but I'm a little stuffy. Oh, man. Yeah, we're, we're all safe here um, so far. I feel like talking about coronavirus is just going to, like, it's going to date this episode even more <laughs> than talking about week one of ALTTPR League Season 2, Will. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I'm still sitting happen. here concerned yeah. about swine flu, you know, from well, how many years ago was that in, in that America? That was, like, 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, my wife knew someone who shall remain remain nameless that actually got swine flu oh no back when it came around it was like 2010 we were just talking about that the other day because of all the coronavirus Uh stuff or whatever yeah yeah so anyway i'm glad that you don't have covid19 um covid19 uh so that's good (laughs) i saw since you just sang that little jingle i saw a tweet that's like probably only funny to me because it's very work related but Uh uh, someone posted a tweet that said uh, the scariest thing about covid19 is the fact that it looks like a gyra ticket and uh gyra is like a ticketing uh like public transit or something no no like ticketing for um for like development of stuff yeah like it stuff like you get a ticket in for you know something your customer wants you to do and it has a description and blah 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 and then you do the whole work process like the whole workflow you document it in there and then Uh you know it's like a whole thing but it looks exactly like a gyra ticket the name covid19 and the picture of like the like up close like amoeba or whatever no no just the name like the naming convention of like all caps and then a dash and then a number behind it that's just how they name their tickets in the system and it's like all right this is like issue number 19 for customer covid it seems like the kind of thing that should be in all caps but i don't think it is it's it's just like c o v i d oh is it not i thought it was i don't i don't know i don't think so well, anyway, enough of all about world <laughs> politics and, uh, you know. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> so all of the people listening that can just literally Google this in an instant and, and look it up. Yeah, uh, exactly. Now you know. I think, <laughs> Trust you, you know, guys to do that. I would not be mad if you cut the whole thing, the whole gyro ticket story and everything. I would not be mad. I think definitely it needs not to now. stay. I mean, I'm, I don't care if you leave it in, but there's probably like four people who will find that funny as well. <laughs> 
Well, you know, we're all about appealing to the niche. Randomizer <laughs> is a very niche sort of game. Okay, and so, sure. Yeah, we love shouting out to just a, a few of the many and them going, oh, yeah, nice. So that's what we're all about. Um, speaking of that, let's go ahead and talk about A Link to the Past Randomizer. And, uh, Herf, what are we going to talk about first? Well, first, we're going to talk about the news, which sounds, you know, very obvious for anyone who's ever listened to a podcast episode. <laughs> but for us recording this, it's not ex- actually a very obvious thing because, uh, you know, there's some behind-the-scenes stuff going on that I I might reveal at a later date. Oh, so I have to assume you're talking about uh, main tournament news, because that's normally what we start these with. Well, normally we would, but guess what? The main tournament is finally over. Uh-huh. It has finally concluded uh, after many eons of going on, millennia have passed... Ice ages yeah. have come and gone. You can't hear me, yeah. but I have my hands in the air, like praising that the tournament's over. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I mean, doing the uh, link praying spray right now in reverence. In, uh, in in all honesty, we we took steps to make it better and shorter this time around, and I feel like it worked out in a way. But uh, we were we were having a little chit chat before we started recording this episode, and as you were saying. Um, we, we failed a little bit at, at advertising and making it widely known that the last couple of games are going to be played, especially since there were a few delays or things didn't quite line up as we thought they might. And, yeah, uh, we, we were talking a little bit off mic before we started. That was kind of just one thing I'd noted about this tournament is it was sort of hard to like really hype up the final matches because uh, yeah. it was like maybe a Discord ping and that, that was about it. You know, maybe a tweet. But mm-hmm. beyond that, really no kind of hype or lead up or anything. Yeah, it was a bit sad. And we definitely, we also noticed that and like took that as uh, as feedback as well as, you know, like just realizing it our, ourselves that it kind of... It didn't go the way we had planned, I would say, or that it deserved to be hyped. But um, the 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 end result was that it, it just kind of felt, as you also said earlier, it just kind of felt like there was a million matches going on and then suddenly nothing was happening. And then suddenly it was like, all right, the tournament has concluded. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, I thought we would finally not be talking about the main tournament anymore, but <laughs> we're, we still have managed to kick it off with main tournament. This but is the no, part that's... you cut. This is... <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I'm not just trying to cut everything. I like it when I don't have to do a lot of cuts. Yeah, so that's fair. And I think that for in. real, this is going to be the last time we'll talk about it, because okay. at least for a little bit, there's going to be a break. There will definitely be another tournament, I'm sure. But, you know, for now, we will all have our peace and quiet and enough other random stuff. Yeah. Uh, One other update that we do have in terms of tournaments, and this will be the last time we talk about it, is the Challenge Cup, because the last time that we recorded an episode, there was not a winner. Since then, uh, the champion has been crowned, so huge shout-outs, GG, to Dragon Strike 1988, champion of the Challenge Cup. Um, Another great season. You know, I thought they did great, too. I guess, you know, the same sort of things that we were just talking about with the main tournament probably apply to the Challenge Cup. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I don't really fault them for that because they just kind of follow the lead of the main tournament. Um, and it's less of a hype sort of thing and more just for the participation of it, you know. So, 
But uh, yeah, so what we probably will be starting off talking about for the next few episodes is going to be ALTTPR League, which has sort of become, in my eyes, kind of the headliner of like randomizer news, you know, and updates. There's 192 participants and then even more people like myself that are just watching and and just, you know, interested in kind of how things are shaking out. So that's going to be sort of our headliner for a little while. Um, as of the recording of this episode, which is March 8th, uh, week one, I believe, is concluded now. Um, if Maybe there might be a few matches you know, being wrapped up today, possibly tomorrow. But um, so far, it seems like it's gone pretty well. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on the ALTTPR League kicking off? Uh, well, I... I think it went pretty well after, you know, the the original struggles way back then that they had with filling up immediately and not everyone getting in yada yada yada. Yeah. Uh it's been it's been pretty dope. That's really yeah. all I can say. I'm yeah. really excited about how well week 1 has gone. Um we, we there's been some bumps like from the moderation team, but we've gotten through them and like you know, I'm no herf deals with that with uh, the main tournament, so he's he's used to things like that. It's new to me since this is the first time I've ever done any moderation, but we're we're working through them. Uh, Fear did send out a ping today to the trackers and the commentators. Um, this is just a little quick stat. Uh, we have out of the fifty-seven matches, or I'm sorry, out of the sixty-four matches in week one, we were able to restream fifty-seven of them, and that's wow. with like all the volunteers stepping up. Uh, the a- the ALTTPR League Twitch channels as well as Speed Gaming getting involved. So um, the volunteers, like I-, I know a lot of our listeners are said volunteers. So thank you guys. I, I want to extend that from me as well. Like that that's huge. Like I- I'd love to see fifty seven as the number every week. That means like seven didn't get restreamed, which is nuts. Yeah, that yeah, is that awesome is a me. crazy high number. That's really good. Yeah, it takes a lot to put on a restream too, as we know. Firsthand from our, you know, local crew, the the biweekly seed uh, crew that they put on restreams for the Challenge Cup. It, it takes a lot of coordination and planning to be able to do that. It takes a lot of channels, and um, but I, I know it's appreciated. And I've also heard, I've also heard they're doing a really good job with uh, bouncing those matches out to YouTube in a very quick manner. Um, you know, I some people I know like myself prefer to watch a match back on YouTube. It's just a little bit easier than trying to go through Twitch VODs and find it that way, you know, and they eventually expire. So, um, yeah, I've heard they've been, you know, popping up to YouTube pretty quickly, which is also really cool. You can go check them out whenever is convenient for you. That being said, it is pretty fun to watch them live. And one of the reasons that it has been so fun to watch live, uh, is the, uh, implementation of an ALTTPR uh, fantasy league um, that was kind of cooked up by Sir Linkalot, who we had on a couple episodes back. What this does is it awards points. I think we talked about this briefly last time, but it awards points to each player based on their stats at the end of the game. Like, um, you know, there's a function that figures out, you know, the more bonks you do, the less points you earn, essentially, up to like 30 bonks or something like that. Same thing with deaths. Um, there's a metric for the sword that you have when you kill certain bosses. So you can see that in the credits scroll, you know, really easily. So each of the players are assigned a point value and then, uh, commissioners are welcome to step up. Um, like I have for the go mode podcast, uh, fantasy league. We have 16 folks in that we all drafted 12 players. So that's all 192 players in the league. They're all owned by us and our 16 teams. So with that, let me just take a moment to address the people on my team uh, right now. So the following, uh, please listen up. 
Act Boker, Weighty Words, Sabo Tender, Shireen, Jay Meesher, He's Just a Boy, Artie Walsh V, Dr. Marty Zero, Avidius Nasso, Clifford, Keg in the Closet, Dark Grid 12. Listen up, guys. I don't ever want to see a forfeit out of any one of you, all right? No forfeits from you 12 because if you forfeit, I get a zero on my team, and I will hold you personally responsible for that. So I just wanted to say that. Um, I've really enjoyed the fantasy element. It's been a ton of fun. To I've watched a lot more races than I would have to see how my team is doing, how other people's teams are doing. But um, it's it's been great fun. There's been a lot of chatter. I feel like in the league from the players about like, oh, you know, I, I'm glad that you know I, I'm helping people on their teams with my fantasy points. It's more inspiration for me to not forfeit. You know, so all in all, I think that's been a, a really great implementation um, by Sir Link a lot and a lot of fun to to watch. Yeah, I absolutely think it's a great idea, and it's kind of, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh man, you know, now in hindsight, it's so obvious, you know, you have a league, and then you make a fantasy league, that's just like a norm, nor, every normal sports league that you have out there has a fantasy league, so why yeah. not do it, but, you know, uh, Sir Linklot was the guy who, who stepped up and kind of pushed it out, and it, it's working out great, and I see people everywhere having a ton of fun with it all over the place. In all kinds yeah. of different discords. It has definitely helped me to get a better understanding of everyone in the community, you know, everyone who's participating. Because, like, when you get into round seven and eight and you're starting to get to names that you, you know, a huge pool of names, most of which you do not recognize, it makes you go through and watch some VODs and check out some past tournament, you know, performances and, and stuff like that. So I feel like I got a deeper understanding of the community just by, like, doing research to get this um, – you know, to get this fantasy team assembled. Mm -hmm. And um, as of right now, um, you know, on Sunday, March 8th, my team is uh, leading the way in points. We have 786.5 points. Um, so shout-outs to those of you that I drafted. Um, you're all doing me proud, and please continue to. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, Tim's giving a big shout-out to Jay Meesher. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I definitely am. Um, Jay Meesher pulling off the upset of the century, taking down our, our newly appointed uh, uh, main tournament champion, Jet082, um, which is just, from what I heard, pretty much a fluke, you know, that um, you know that, that they, they took that lead. But that's one of the things that we love so much about this game is that, you know, it's, it's like it's got that any given Sunday aspect where, like, the Browns can beat the Patriots sometimes, you know. It's just, it happens, so... Tim made a that sports was a reference, American and it wasn't reference. me. I wanted to point that out. <laughs> yeah, sorry. And I don't even like the Patriots. But, you know, I'm just like, yeah, lot. sure, those are two teams that play a sport of some sort somewhere in the world, I'm sure. <laughs> that, that's Corey. like if I started talking about NASCAR or something, you know? I mean, there's fantasy NASCAR, too, but, you know. Are, could you seriously, like, preach about NASCAR? Like, you, you know enough about I, it? To I be able follow to it. I cannot sit down and, like, you know, watch... 500 laps in one sitting mm -hmm. like it gets boring um yeah i do follow it i try to keep up with when the races are going on and see who wins like i enjoy the sport but i i i'm not the guy who you know sits back here and chugs a beer or two while i, I watch the whole thing but <laughs> i mean that sounds like the best part <laughs> that's cool i didn't know that uh charlotte where i live is like the nascar capital of the world or something like that i don't know i, I don't really follow it but <laughs> yeah That's it's cool. close to that area but i is we digress <laughs> yeah to, to bring us back to rando is there anything that you've noticed about uh stock car racing that you've been able to apply to your randomizer racing <laughs> actually yes uh you want to go fast and you want to do it efficiently so 
Oh, okay. uh, if you can do that in NASCAR, you win, and if you do it in the randomizer, you win. So and you always want to turn left, never turn right, because <laughs> you can pump when you go left. Yes, never oh. turn right. <laughs> That's good. I like that. <laughs> nice. If you go right, you're if you pump right, you're actually going slower. It's an anti pump. Yep. So take take that NASCAR. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I think that wraps up all the community updates. Oh, uh, sorry. Let me just uh, give a quick pause for our new Go Mode community uh, updates. All right. I don't know why I actually waited. I can always edit in silence. So whatever. <laughs> I just I <laughs> so, want the I want the thing that I, I plugged in the Discord. The whole temp going like do 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 community updates and that was or whatever it was you did two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go back and I don't even remember that. I I ended up um I probably cut that out and and did the actual uh yeah, jingle and stuff. Which is so. good. <laughs> well, maybe we'll switch it up. I don't know. I'll go I'll go investigate for you. Tuesday Tim. I went back and listened. I have no idea what Dante's talking about. There's nothing like that. Um so I think all we have to talk about this time are just the bi-weekly seeds. Uh episode 41 was the Ambrosia that Dante requested and uh, I found that one to be pretty fun. Not much to say about it. I did gen that one, so hopefully people who hold the other terrible ones I've generated against me know that it's it's not always all bad. Yeah, and I, I thought this one was good. Um, I think this was our largest turnout as far as people right. doing it, and I, I think it has something to do with you know the league uh, and this being a mode that is going to be in the midst of when this episode comes out, but 34 people as of March the 8th with us recording this have submitted a time for this, so... Um, Shout outs to all of you guys for, for participating. And since we're doing this community updates thing, I thought I would like to shout out the top five just um, oh, yeah. real quick. So we'll start with number five right now as of recording. And these people could get beaten. So if you beat them and your name's not up here, then you need to submit sooner for the next yeah. ones if we do this again. But uh, in fifth place, Kappa. Fourth place, PRD Wong. Three is Dante. I don't know who that guy is. Uh, two, Sailor Nep. And number one, Sir Linkalot. So congratulations to you guys for making it the top five of the bi-weekly seed. Yeah, and for the number one, let's just go ahead and say the time. Sir Linkalot got a one hour, 30 minute, 27 second seed with an item collection rate of 143 out of 216. Yeah, so it's pretty, that's pretty good. good. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll be honest, when I played this, the seed was so good. Temp, I don't know how you got a good seed, but um, when I I literally thought there is, I I played this as well as I could have. My execution was on point. There's no way I was like, this is going to be the number one time. Like that's, I mean, that's honestly how I felt. Like I had that kind of confidence, and then like I think I started ten minutes before Nep started, and then I I noticed that Nep had a time lower than mine. I was like, holy crap! So me and her were chatting, like, what are we? What like what what did we do differently? And we were kind of going back and forth. And then Linkalot pulls out the one thirty, and I'm like, "Yo, that is insane!" So, you know, <laughs> well, um, you know, credit where credit is due, you did have the lowest item collection rate at one forty one. Yeah, and I think the the thing about this seed, and this is what's weird about Ambrosia, is like, uh, you you know that there's one item on the ball, so it gives you a potential opportunity to you know, maximize or minimize your time inside of a dungeon. So if you get lucky and you get to the item early, if there's only two, you know that other one's on the boss, so then you just kind of beeline the boss. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, that was a fun one. Um, I was 15th in that one out of 34. I, I'm usually somewhere right in the middle, which I feel like is 
perfect. That's right where I want to be. I don't want to be like so good that I take things for granted. I don't want to be so bad that I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, for the for the purposes of this podcast, I like being sort of a, a mid-level, like does pretty good, but also does some boneheaded stuff pretty often as well kind of player. And that's that's where I am. So, uh, And then Herf will be on there one day. We'll get Herf on there one day. <laughs> one day, yeah. I'm sure. going to make an alt account, and it's going to be Herfy Derfy, and then I'll just submit. <laughs> I'll submit a time. We can be like, whoa, he submitted. If you do that, you need to make it like a five-hour time or something like that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I mean, because otherwise, you know, the other option is Herf. You, you get in there and put submit your own time, you know. Yeah, otherwise, Dante's mm-hmm. going to jump okay, in and give okay. you a five-hour. I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what do we want to do for the next one? I think we could do something uh, similar to what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think definitely something that encourages co-op uh, or two players in some way. Um, now we can't. I don't. I don't necessarily like you know saying that it has to be because some people it's just not realistic for them to be able to link up with someone else um, for whatever reason. Uh, so I don't want it to be restrictive in that way. If that makes sense. I mean, we can, you know, just to take one example, and if you don't want to spoil anything, we can, like, cut this out and rephrase it, but, like, we could make just a normal seed of a thing that we like and strongly encourage people to play it as, say, a pilot seed. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, Dante, you would uh, penned in here the All Dungeons Co-op Info Share. That's one of the uh, league settings that we're going to be talking about. Um, make your case. The idea with that is <clears throat> both players are playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we do pilot, that's going to limit some folks. They're going to, you know, if someone decides to play as the pilot, they don't get to submit a time. Um, and, you True. know, the times aren't going to obviously be the same. But, you know, obviously in the spoilers, you can say who you teamed up with and, you know, kind of get an average time based on that. Or, you know what, let's just, if we do all dungeons, let's tell them to submit their average time. Oh, I, that's oh, yeah, that's that how works. the that's how the league works. So like you should see if I team up with Temp, then me and Temp's time should be exactly the same. The only thing we could do is you submit your own item count because then you can see if you, you know, who checked the most things overall, okay. not that really it's a competition, but that that'll distinguish the two, you know, in a way. Okay. All right, so we will do an all dungeons uh, seed, which you're welcome to play on your own if that's your situation. But what we're going to recommend is team up with somebody, uh, get on a voice chat. You both started at the same time, and you're both uh, playing the same seed, and uh, you're both trying to finish as soon as possible. So between the two of you, you're going to share the information you're learning about the seed to help one another beat it faster. We'll get into more details on this in our feature. Um, but uh, once you do that, average your two times together go online and get like a a time calculator average your two times together both of you will submit that averaged time but you will submit your own item collection rate that works for me yep perfect yeah sounds great all right that's what it'll be that's the uh, episode 42 seed all right uh speaking of our feature um let's uh, all three of us at the exact same time because it's co-op uh head over to our feature zone all right Mm mm-hmm all right, One, let's do it. Two, three, go. Okay. So, a link to the past randomizer. I think one of the main uh, draws to this game is how fun it is to play with other people. 
Uh, you can download a seed and play it yourself, and it's still very, very fun, very enjoyable. But I know for me personally, whenever I do download a seed, I'm much more likely to download one that I know that other people will have played at some point. Because one of the funnest things is like going through and comparing your own experience to someone else. Like, oh, yeah, I went to, um, you know, I decided to make an Eastern play, you know, about 15 minutes in. And your opponent says, well, no, I decided to uh, sequence skip up to, um, you know, up to the mountain. You know, and, and you just kind of like compare notes and see how that worked out. So um, that's just one example of the many ways that you can play A Link to the Past randomizer with other people and how that kind of enhances the overall fun and experience of it. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to get into uh, all the different ways you can play with another person. So the most obvious one that I've sort of already touched on is racing other people. And this is something that we talk about a lot on this show, right? With the league, with the tournaments, um, you know, or, or the racing council. Um, you know, we're talking about racing a lot. It's just a really natural, fun way to play this game. You know, you both download the same seed and you start either at the same time, which is just a race, or, um, you know, you just kind of keep track of your time and you compare your time with other people afterwards. It's technically called an async race where you could, you know, we've talked about doing that with restreams, taking two VODs and kind of syncing up the start of them. So it looks like they're racing, but they both played it on their own time. But that's still, uh, you know, I would say a fun way to interact with the community and with other people. And, uh, you know, it's why we have things like our bi-weekly seeds. Um, what are some other thoughts that you guys have on, um, you know, competitive A Link to the Past randomizer kind of racing against other people as a way to further your enjoyment of the game? Any other kind of thoughts on this topic? Well, it's hard to really have like a something to measure yourself with as far as, uh, you know, what to race against or like a competitive aspect. And I guess besides timing and, you know, racing that way, I mean, being efficient, you know, which sometimes, you know, is being lucky. Uh, a lot of times in Rando, that's being lucky. So, like, you know, comparing item counts, I think that's why a lot of async-type scenarios or seeds, like we do here in our Discord, and I think Reddit has one, as well as some, you know, other communities, They that, that that's why we put the item counts in there, because if people have a really close... Uh, a really close time, but their item count is vastly different, then there could be uh, potentially some routing differences that happened or, um, you know, or execution gaps potentially. So it, it, that's that's kind of some things you can learn, in my opinion, uh, based on the item count. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Um, I, yeah, go ahead, Herb. No, I mean, really the only thing, I think you both really covered most of it. I think I, I just want to say... I feel like for a lot of people, the word competitive is like a scary word, you know, when they're like, oh, competitive rando. It sounds like, you know, competitive esports, like, oh, I'm never going to be this good. This guy like earns his living playing rando or something like that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think it, it kind of depends on what you make of it, you know, even if you're just playing the same seat as a couple of friends and you're comparing times and how you routed it, that could be competitive as well. It, it's just, I think it's, as you brought up earlier, it's probably one of the best tools to improve yourself if you're able to compare your own playing to someone else who played the same seed and see where they did better or different or what they chose to do differently over what you chose to do. So, yeah. Yeah. I um, played a seed last Monday. I had already played the bi-weekly seed, but I uh, 
my wife was watching The Bachelor and I wanted to kind of hang out with her. So what I've been doing is, you know, I'll play a seed when that starts. It's a two hour show. So I'll start a seed when that starts. And usually around two hours later, I'm wrapping up and it's super casual. I don't usually stream it or I never stream it because it's on my laptop. Um, but I went to do that the other day and I wanted to, I could have just gen a seed and just played it and like whatever. But I decided that to go to Reddit, which is, you know, a place where I know that they have these kinds of things and compare routes and times and things like that. And I played through that seed and I was like, oh, it seems like uh seems like I, I actually might have a pretty decent time. I, I didn't think it would be like outstanding or anything, but I thought it would be a, a decent time. And uh, it ended up being a PB at one hour, 24 minutes and eight seconds oh, uh, nice. with a collection rate of 133. Yeah, obviously super stoked to have a new PB. But think about if I had just gen that for myself and no one else had played it. Like it would almost be, I don't want to say it would illegitimize it because that's definitely not the case, but there would be a certain aspect of like if a tree falls in the woods and no one is around to hear it, you know, that, that old adage or whatever, you know? So, and then I went and checked out all the spoiler bars in the Reddit and everyone was like, Oh my God, what a jet. I just got a PB, you know, GG's to everyone out there on their new PBs. Um, and it was like, you know, validating a little bit. It was like, okay, yeah. And, and not to like downplay my own involvement because I did, I did some low percentage bosses and made some, you know, smart decisions with routing. I made some mistakes too, but um, yeah, just I to think of you know how that experience would have been gone if I had just played that seed myself and no one else had. I don't I don't think it would have been um, as validating you know for that for me. So um, now one other thing I did sort of brainstorm with this topic of have either of you ever uh, heard of or participated in races where there are any sort of handicaps in play as a way to make it easier for a newer runner to race against a more experienced one. Uh, not personally, really, but I can imagine a couple of ways to maybe do that. Yeah, I can imagine ways, but I haven't really heard a lot of that happening a lot either. What about you, Dante? I've never really done anything with it. The only way I could imagine you doing it is using the customizer, which we already know is the devil. Yeah. So, I mean... Well, you know, you um, could, here's, uh, here's some examples. Like, what if one person was not allowed to do glitches, you know? Okay, sure. Then they have to stick to like the intended logic. Then yeah, that that would be that'd be interesting. So some, one person's allowed to sequence break, one is not. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually done a thing where I, I raced some uh, a, a friend uh, a long time ago, and it was I decided that if there was an opportunity to sequence break, I was going to take it, and mm-hmm. instead of not sequence breaking, and um doing that it actually cost me so much time <laughs> so the you know saying saying the thing about the taking the sequence breaks versus like making someone stick to logic um sometimes that can you know backfires or it, whatever. it very much can uh and yeah that was at a time when i couldn't really in my head piece the logic backwards you know back together uh to understand the sequence break and the items that i got from it and how it would affect the rest of the way the game would play out for me um and when, when that was the case, like that, that's probably why it backfired as much as it did. I didn't have that knowledge. I, I didn't. I guess I didn't really think of how you could do that at, at the time. But you know, the more you play, obviously, and talk to competitive runners and such, then you you start to understand how to do that and so on and so yeah. forth. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I I don't know the reason that you don't see a lot of that, but um, there are just other ways to play with other people. And uh, like Herf said, you know. Um, it's not, 
it's not a bad thing inherently to go against somebody and get absolutely, you know, destroyed by them. It's it happens all the time. It doesn't mean that the other person is bad. Um, upsets are very, very common in this game because of the nature of randomizer. So it's not like, you know, it's a gimme if you race against someone who's way worse than you. I mean, you know, it, skill definitely is going to factor in in a, in a big way. But um, usually, I guess maybe that's why you don't see handicaps a lot is because, you know, just go ahead and race. Like, who knows what's going to happen? You know? Right. Yeah, the handicap situation to me is like, if you if you impose it on yourself and you tell people like in IRC that you're going to do that, then it makes you just sound like, <laughs> and, and you know you know what I'm getting at. Like, you yeah. don't want to... Oh, man, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, and that, and if you are asking someone to do it because you're a newer runner, like, this is the type of thing you would do off of IRC, in my opinion, and yeah, you would do it sure. kind of in, you know, a casual voice chat type thing. Like, someone that you are, I'm not going to say close with, but at least, mm-hmm. like, internet close with. Like, you know how to, you know, bust, these up, bust each other's chops, <laughs> so to yeah. speak. Like, you're comfortable doing that, and you know there might be a skill gap between you, but you enjoy each other's company and hanging out. So those those are kind of the situations I would do that, but I would never really want to see a group race where, like, somebody just said, hey, I'm not going to use the boots even after I find them unless it's required. Like, Oh, and, that's a good one, too. Yeah, see, that would... I don't know. It just it, it sounds a little pompous if you're yeah. the one handicapping yourself. Because, I mean, in the end we're people on the internet hanging out and it, it, it is kind of hard to, you know, see what someone's intent is. Uh, sometimes yeah. I think and, I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Her. Uh, I was just going to say, I also have trouble like thinking about it more. I have trouble, you know, imagining a handicap that is, I don't, I don't really know how to put it. Like for me, even though there's big skill gaps in, you know, execution and stuff like that between players and the whole random community, I feel like most of the handicaps I can think about, the skill gap isn't big enough. Like, you know, one, as right. Dante, the example that you were saying earlier, one is allowed to do glitches, one is only allowed to follow the original logic. That could be such a wild swing that it might not even make a difference. Or like more physical crazy handicaps like the crowd control sometimes does where you're like, all right, I get to play normally, but you get to play with your controller turned upside down. That's just yeah. stuff, you know... Maybe if you set someone down who's never played a rando seat before versus someone like Andy, and Andy has to play it with his controller flipped upside down, then maybe. But for you yeah. know someone who's a casual rando racer versus someone who's a better rando racer, they're probably just gonna race. I think that's what I was imagining. Is like you know, let's say you've got a friend IRL who is into video games and you've talked to them about rando and they're interested and they've like tried it out a couple times and they're like oh i think i might be starting to get the hang of this but you know if i had someone else's vod to compare to mine to see you know what i'm doing maybe what i could be doing better um you know maybe that's the if they really wanted to race instead of doing async you know like we were talking about before mm-hmm. um that would be a situation where maybe you might want to impose a handicap or something but yeah, I, I maybe there's a reason that you don't see that a whole lot. It's, I think we've we've kind of covered that pretty well. 
Um, but yeah, with that, I think let's move on. Um, but you know, racing, I think sort of speaks for itself, even though we just spoke to it for about 10 minutes. <laughs> um, but highly recommend it. It's a great way to enjoy the game. I also um, just want to yeah. quickly mention, uh, I mean, I feel like it's kind of fairly obvious, but all the other stuff that we're going to talk about from now on is also, you, it's also possible to race all these other things. Sure. So, you know, yeah. it's not because it kind of, you know, we're kind of making it sound like racing is its own separate multiplayer thing from all these others, but it's possible to race all these other things as well. Very sure. Yeah. No, that's that's definitely right. Um okay, so let's start actually I want to quickly mention one that uh is not on the outline because one of you guys just mentioned it. I actually can't remember what it was, but one of you said something that was oh, crowd control. Because that's technically, you know, one person plays, everyone else can influence them through um, a Twitch app, essentially. It's not the most, like, you know, co-op you can be because there's one person's playing the game and the others are giving money to yeah, that person. I don't, uh, I don't yeah, really But technically, me. I would say from a technical perspective, it is co-op rando, sort of. So let's, let's leave the mention to, of crowd control to that just in the sake of being a completionist and let's move on to the ones that are actually on the outline um the first one here is multi-world so we just had a community multi-world a few weeks ago at this point um one of the biggest barriers in my opinion to multi-world is just that it's sort of difficult to get set up it requires you know new programs to download that you probably don't have already like python and sd to snes and all these other things um, depending on your setup, uh, we'll link the setup uh, guide in our in the description of this episode. Um, but does one of you guys maybe want to try to concisely explain just kind of what multi world is, and then we can talk about um, you know get get a little bit more specific on. It. <laughs> yeah, sure. So okay. multi world is essentially a, a game mode of a link to the past randomizer, not an official one yet, but it's you know supported. Uh, where you're playing a seed from with other people, but the uh, items that all the players from two to I, I don't even know if it has a max number. It probably theoretically has a max number, but you know, yeah. Uh, the the items are all strewn about, so you could be finding uh, another player's hookshot, and they could be finding your hammer, and then you find uh, a heart piece for player number three, and it's all jumbled around like that. But the logic still works. Yes, of course. Yeah. So um, no matter how many people you have, it you know shuffles all of these items, and then it's sort of like putting a puzzle together. You know, like Herf was saying, you have to pick up somebody else's item that opens up a pool of more items for them. Maybe one of those items they find opens up your something you didn't have. So it's a cool kind of you know it's about as close to co-op rando I think as you can really get um, because it's both people participating and playing the game and. It's not something you could do by yourself, even if you wanted to. You have to have at least one other person to be able to be doing multi-world at all. Um, yeah. By the way, multi-world made uh, developed by Bonta, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm -hmm. We should mention that. Yeah, so yeah. shout-outs to Bonta for making multi-world. But, um, yeah, so that's the idea behind it. Uh, Dante, you have set one of these up, you know, the community one that we did. Do you want to speak maybe to, um, you know, do you, if you maybe like have advice for how people can get this going for themselves, if they've maybe been sort of intimidated about jumping in? I mean, the, the idea is if you're going to host it, you know, on your network, you, you do have to have a certain port on your router open. Um, and that way the, the program can communicate with you. 
and that that's not really something that I think we could plug here on how to do. It differs mm-hmm. based on whatever networking equipment you have. If you have your own router and it's got a name brand, you could probably find a guide on YouTube if you search how to open a port. Um, what I can tell you too, as far as that network networking side goes, uh, the port you open on your router, the IP address you want to point it to would be whichever computer you are running the server from. So if you're running that server Python file uh, on your main computer that you stream from, you need to find out on your own network what that IP address is. And uh, yeah, that's that's the hardest part <laughs> yeah. is, is doing that. But uh, I say that's the hardest part because if you don't have kind of some knowledge of it, it, it can just be like, well, what do I do now? Um, there are, you know, eventually when we have what, what people are going to call the official multi-world, um, you know, Bonta has done a fantastic job with this one, and I love that all, it has the options and the mystery functionality as well. I do know that the devs are working on one that will be website-based, such as the same way that the SMZ3 one is. Mm. So ev- eventually we'll get to that, but I, 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 don't, I don't have any info on timetables for it. It will be easier to get into, I think, once that happens. But there are tons of guides out there. There's tons of people, probably in our Discord and definitely in the main ALTTPR Discord, that love to help with this. They love to just play them. Like, I, I can't think of a time when in the last, like, four weeks where I haven't gone in the main Discord and seen somebody in, like, one of the multi-world voice channels and people are playing multi-world. So... Yeah, you know, it, it's it's a very hot, popular thing right now. Yeah, that would be my recommendation for anyone who is interested in this. Honestly, the best thing you can do is get in either our Discord or the main randomizer Discord in the multi-world channel and just ask for some help because there are people who know how to do this that are very friendly and more than willing to help you get set up or maybe even just rope them, rope you into their next multi-world that they're already planning. Um, that's probably going to be the best way to get involved. That's pretty much how I got involved. I it was something I always sort of wanted to do, but it wasn't until Dante scheduled our, you know, community one that we did that I actually took it seriously and downloaded everything I needed to download. And I'm really glad I did because it was a ton of fun. It was super fun. Yeah, they, they, the, the appeal of it is just really, I, I think it's awesome because you just get to hang out and play the game. And as long as everybody kind of sticks to like main housekeeping things, you know, don't skip early spheres. Like if you get Dark World access in 35 seconds, you better not be going to Dark World. You know, it's not a yeah. race where you want to keep trying to follow the progression. You want to make sure you've got your, you know, your buddy's items, you know, like that. You may have nothing, you know, in the early spheres, but at the same time, it's going to feel really bad when something's in the first chest at Eastern and someone's been in what everybody calls BK mode, where you've got no checks left to do and you're waiting for something to come to you for an hour. And it's like, oh, well, I haven't checked my Eastern Palace. And then all of a sudden their game's wide open. So. You know, yeah. the the skipping things, you don't want to do that, and you definitely don't want to take, like, gambles and say, you know what, there's an item in the basement of Hera, I'm going to skip that. That's fine for racing, not so much multi-world. You know, again, you're playing together as a, a group, so you want to make sure you try to get everything for everybody. Yeah, uh, and being in a, in a voice chat with everyone you're, you know, in the multi-world with is definitely recommended. Um, it definitely helped ours. You know, you can shout out, like, oh, you know... Um, so and so, I, I just opened up some more items, so I'm not in BK mode anymore. So you know, so and so who's stuck, I might be able to help you out here. You know, stuff like that. Because otherwise, you're just like silently, patiently waiting until you get something. You know, and that maybe kind of takes away the fun of it a little bit. Or I, I would imagine it does, in my opinion. 
Um, yeah, okay. I think that's pretty much everything about Multiworld. Definitely recommend it. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, real quick, we'll just kind of talk briefly about this one. Uh, I only know about this because I think Sinek uh, had mentioned it on his first uh, GDQ recap that he did for us uh, some months back. This is One Mind. Uh, now, I believe the idea behind One Mind is you're, you have two people. You're both playing the game, player one, player two, two controllers. Uh, but the um, who is controlling Link changes at a certain predetermined rate. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, let me know. Uh, I, I'm not sure about the range of how often it switches, but I know for some really crazy settings, it can be like, you know, several times a second, like maybe even every frame. Does that sound right? Or I mean, uh, I think you can set it individually in like the thing that generates those kind of ROMs. But uh, from what I remember, they played one at SGL. Mm-hmm. And they had it set to uh, it changes control every half second. Half second? Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I've never played one of these, so I can't really say too much to it. It sounds fun, maybe a little frustrating. Dante, have you ever played? <laughs> I've never played one. Um, I plan to hopefully at the next GDQ if I'm able to go. Um, well, at least that's my thought. But it's like I- I've seen them done before, and it, you have to. It, communicate a lot it, because especially if you're not very familiar with your your partner it's just when, when it's switching constantly that can be you know problematic like if, <laughs> if you want to walk down the swamp but they're trying to go to hype cave and you're holding right and then all of a sudden you know you're, you're just going to be like hurting or hindering yourself like just kind of stuttering in place with link so um you want to make sure you're of the same mindset hence the t- the name one mind yeah and uh you know you want to be going to do the exact same things yeah, the situation you describe is pretty extreme, and I imagine mostly people would either just like stand still until they both agree on a place to go or, or what, but think about, you know, having to be in a room where you have to kill all the enemies before you can go on, and like, mm-hmm. you just instinctually like try to do it the way you always do it, and your partner always does it a different way, and now you're both just like doing absolutely nothing and just like getting hit by a BMOS over and over. That's what I'm imagining. I mean, just yeah. imagine the Mothula fight. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the best example you know moving floors moving spikes a crazy boss that shoots at you and then the control switch off every half second and you have to kind of figure out what's happening while you're in control man i mean i am curious it does sound like fun i would love to try one once speaking of that do you guys know how i mean obviously you have to be in person this is not the kind of thing that's going to work with net play i would imagine correct not I'm, to my knowledge. I don't know. I don't think so, but I'm, I really don't know much about it, to be honest. Seems like even if it could work, you probably wouldn't want to, that sort of thing. Every time um, I've seen it work, it's a, a scenario of one person has their controller in player one, one person has their controller in player two. Sure. So you, it, it is mostly an in-person thing, um, especially because it, it's one ROM. It's not, it's not like multi-world right. where each person has their own ROM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I'll, you know, I'll try to look around, see if I can put some sort of helpful link in the description. If you are interested in trying to boot up one mind for yourself and another person in person, we will try to help you along with that. Um, but that is another version of co-op. Uh, moving along, the uh, next one, and these next two, I think we want to take a little bit more time to talk about because they are pretty relevant now. Um, this first one is uh, Pilot Seeds. So this is the idea of somebody is playing and another person is not playing, but they're helping out in some way. Um, 
the, uh, an example of this would be our mentor tournament that we had last summer where one person is kind of coaching the other. Usually there's someone with a little bit more experience and they're giving advice about routing, um, but they're not looking at the opponent's screen or anything like that. It's, it really is just like, if I were you, I would do this kind of thing, you know? Um, we also have, uh, from you know, again, from Synex recap of the uh, first GDQ, um, Keep Talking and Nobody Last Locations, which we've mentioned a few times on this show. That's a team of three where one person runs the game, one person has a spoiler log, and the other person has an entrance uh, spoiler. Um, and so these are like Entrando um, seeds where those two people are coaching along the player and helping them to route efficiently and, and beat you know an opponent who also has their own team. Um, so we're, those are kind of all examples of this. What we're going to mostly focus on is what uh, the ALTTPR League is going to be using for week six of competition, which is a spoiler seed. Um, or like uh, the, the pilot will have access to the spoiler log. So it's teams of two people. One is racing. The other one is accessing the spoiler log and helping their opponent or their, their teammate, I should say, to uh, beat the seed as quickly as possible, racing against another team who's doing the same thing. So... Um, with that, uh, Dancy has done most of our research into this one. I personally have never had an opportunity to play one of these spoiler log type seeds, but I'm very interested to hear what Dante has to say because not only has he played a few, but he's also done a little bit of digging into how other people have done it. Um, so Dante, take it away. Tell us about spoiler log uh, seeds. So the idea with the spoiler log or the pilot, like with with the the league setting, yeah, what are we key, calling this? What do you want to call it? It's kind of just been called like a key sanity pilot spoiler log, which sounds like a mouthful. But <laughs> we were trying to think of something for it when we were testing this for the league way back when, um, and you have someone guiding you through it, so it's kind of like they're piloting you through a situation you have no idea what you're doing. I say no idea what you're doing because all the items are randomized. Mm -hmm. So instead of just blindly checking things based on logic, you know where things are and you have someone telling you where to go. And, you know, if you did this without keys, it's pretty fast, honestly, you know, because spoiler log seeds are pretty fast, like just the regular ones where you do like an open 7-7 with no key sanity shuffle and such. But, um... It, the the mindset of this is is tough you know the pilot is under a ton of stress for probably the first 30 plus minutes and that's because you you do not as the pilot you will not get the seed until like the you know it the go happens so your runner is already playing the game and mm. i kind of want to take these separated between like the runner and the pilot yeah so that's a good idea if you're the runner the biggest thing to remember is communication. And that kind of goes for the pilot, too, because you're the one conveying info. But I say communication because, like, if I'm going to start at Link's house, I'm going to tell my pilot I'm starting at Link's house. And that way I'm going to say, okay, when, when go happens, my intent is check Link's house. So whatever's there, I'm getting. So you don't need to check Link's house for me. You know, mm -hmm. then I'm going to go start walking up to Uncle to get the tree pull. And then I'll just figure out what that is. So... I would tell my pilot then, like, hey, just, is there anything in Hyrule Castle? Am I going to get a weapon? You know, so on and so forth. Like, my pilots in the past have been like, oh, there's a weapon in Sanctuary. You should save and quit because there's something in Hyrule Castle. Like, they'll see that really quick. Mm. And that's kind of also a thing of before you get to this week, if you're in the league, or before you want to play it, get yourself familiar with the spoiler log. Yeah. And that's something I personally have a little bit of trouble with because I have... I have ways of calling out chests, and that is definitely not what's written on the spoiler log, so it's really hard to find. 
And, um, yeah, you, you as a runner, though, you never want to be, I guess, sitting still, doing nothing. You know, like, if there's five chests in a row, but maybe you only need the back one, uh, if you know that, great, go get it. But if you're checking a room and your pilot's trying to get a route laid out and doesn't have time to check that room, just go ahead and check all of them. Because doing that's going to waste less time than sitting there and waiting for your pilot to tell you, hey, this is the one chest you need here. Because your item count, it matters, but it doesn't matter. You just want to make sure you're being efficient. Like, same thing with Rando all the time. Um, mm -hmm. Additionally, if you're the runner, you want to track. You want to track for yourself like you're doing a normal race. Now, if you don't use a tracker, this can be a little troublesome. It's beneficial to your pilot if you are tracking because then they can see your key account, they can see your items, and then they'll know, okay, they've got this, so they can go to this point of Palace of Darkness because there's this item. You have enough pod keys. You can go get your boots, so on and so forth. Getting boots early is kind of a nice thing. At the same time, it's also a little bit of a curse because there's less downtime. The, the travel time gives your pilot, you know, when you're walking from point A to point B, it gives your pilot time to kind of catch their breath, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, but so, you, so you want to keep them calm, though. So with the, um, yeah, that's a good point. We'll definitely get to that in a second. But to go back to the tracking, so you suggest that the runner does their own tracking and, like, you would, they would have to restream that as well, correct? You're going to want that tracker yeah, on the yeah. stream so your, yeah, so your I mean, pilot can see it. Most players, not all, but most players have their tracker displayed on their stream. So mm -hmm. that shouldn't be an issue. Now, if you don't, then that's fine, too. Just make sure that you and your... Uh, your pilot are on the same page. And if my thought is I don't want my pilot having to track things, if that helps them, I'd rather be tracking so they can just focus on the spoiler log and like yelling information at me because mm -hmm. I'm used to tracking for myself constantly. I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm doing, I'm the guy who does the map tracker. I'm the guy who checks all the items. Like if I get it two or three shields, sometimes I'll go ahead and actually check all of those. But, yeah. you know, sometimes I don't. But that shields aren't as important as, say, like, I've got four pod keys. Because if you leave that at zero, then your pilot may be, like, flipping through the spoiler log and be like, where are all the pod keys? We should have some, mm. you know, because we need this crucial item. Like, the bow is in pod. We need that. And it's behind, like, three keys. So that's where it's important to track that. So it keeps your, keeps your pilot on task, I think. That makes sense. That's that's good advice. Now, um, before I cut you off, there you were talking about um, kind of coaching the the runner. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. Oh yeah. So um, well, it's well, that, we're that still kinda... talking about runner stuff, actually. I guess so. Yeah. So the thing is, you want to keep your pilot calm, is what I was saying. Oh, okay. Interesting. So right. thing ways to keep them calm is like I will constantly if they're not talking to me, I'm talking to them. I like to ask questions a lot, like. Hey, I'm coming up on this area. Is there anything here? And if, you know, there is a little bit of a stream delay. I've got mine set to low latency, but there's still some latency. Mm -hmm. So if you could say, hey, I'm literally walking into here, that will keep you from having to stand, you know, in front of eight chests or whatever. You know, if you're going into Paradox, tell them, hey, I'm headed to Paradox now. And then when you're leaving that side of the mountain to go there, they've got time to check everything in Paradox. So maybe they can say, hey, the top is completely useless. Don't worry about those five chests or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then there's the two bottom ones. 
There's been many a time where it's like, okay, in the bottom one, you only need the left one, and then you only need the middle one up top. Like, those are the only two. And if you can get to that efficiency, it will save time. But if you can't get to that efficiency, it's fine. You know, just go ahead and check them all. You know, yeah. like, worry about that next play. You're going to get the main item you want. And sometimes your pilot can be wrong. And when they when they are, because they will be at some point, because they'll misread the spoiler log under the pressure, as the runner, you keep them calm by yourself staying calm. Mm. Like, like I said, the most stressful part is not really playing the seed. It is the pilot, by far. Everyone it's like, it's I, like uh, how air traffic controllers are always under so much stress, and you know, as opposed to pilots who are under significantly less, you know, because they hold the fate of all all of the pilots in their hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And another thing you want to do as a runner is you want to like make sure you understand up front. You may not get every safety you want. Like there may be an opportunity where you may not be able to have more than eight hearts and it looks like an expert seat because you're not going to get more than eight hearts. But if you really need safeties, you have to tell your pilot, I need you to try and route in as many heart containers and pieces up into up until like a certain point. And if you don't give them that information, they're going to they're gonna be focused on keys, big keys, and items. Because that's what's going to beat you the game. You know, you yeah. don't need hearts for go mode if your execution is good enough. And we've seen people do these with, you know, four or five hearts if they want to. It's risky, because then sometimes you're, you're in, like, one-hit KO mode. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it, it's all about knowing your own limits to, you know, you don't want to go jumping in doing... <laughs> three heart moth with a fighter sword if uh if you're not comfortable with it just because your pilot told you to go there and that's kind of where you would have to take charge and tell your pilot look we're gonna we gotta reroute this unless there's no other way we've got to reroute this and you know that's you can kind of think that on the fly and yeah early game you've got a ton of checks you know there's times where you're going to be walking a lot unless flute or boots are very early on so that's where you can kind of just keep that intent going tell them Hey, I'm, you know, I finished up Kakariko or, you know, be- because the pilot caught up, we skipped Chicken Hut. Okay, that saves some time. That's a couple of screen transitions. It's waiting for a bomb to go off, so on and so forth. It's more of a, you know, I'm going to check things. Like if I'm in, how do I word this? So if I'm in Cacwell, I'm not going to make my pilot find one thing in Cacwell. They can look for the rest of Kakariko where all the chests are separated. It's like, okay, something important something important is in Cacwell onto the next thing. So then I'm gonna open all the chests in Cacwell. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can skip the back and don't have to do the bomb, you know, the bomb walls. That's the type of efficiency you're looking for. Of efficiency you're looking for there. Do you think as a runner, um, you know, when when you are running the game, are you going, you know, if if you are say making making your way through a dungeon and, you know, that's there's a situation where you could get a chest and it would only take a few seconds, um, but you could skip it because you know, you know, you could theoretically ask your pilot if there's anything in there or not. Are you sort of in an autopilot, like check everything mode so you can potentially pick up money and safeties? Or are you really just kind of deferring to your pilot in terms of what you should be opening and not? Me personally, um, I, I, I skip everything. I, I okay. can. Hmm, okay. I, I mean, that makes I, it faster. I mean, I'm not going to open a chest just because because my pilot may have ignored it because it's 10 arrows or whatever mm-hmm. you know and when that's the case then you waste time 
the what about like in paradox if there's like one useful oh, let's sure. say there's two useful things in there will you get all five or will you actually ask for those those two it honestly depends how like how far in advance we've routed it like it's like okay well it, there's two key items like there's seven chests in paradox two in the bottom five at the top so if i know that there's something important at the bottom and there's something important at the top I'll say, is there anything like safeties in any of the other ones? And then if the answer is yes, I'll probably open, I'll, I'll say, what are the safeties if I have the time? And if I don't, mm. I may, depending on how early game it is and how low my health is and my equipment loadout, I may grab those. Yes. But if, you know, if it's just, hey, there could be something there, but I didn't check. I'm probably not going to check it. Mm-hmm. That that's me okay. personally. I would I wouldn't say everyone should do that because it is a it's a minimal gain. Like what if you skip a heart container? But what if and then what if that heart container were to save you down the yeah. line? You know, it, if you haven't if you don't have a lot of experience with these, I would or if maybe your execution isn't what you would call like really you know high tier, then yes, I would check some additional things, but. The more info you get from your pilot, the more efficient you're just going to be in general. And you can route in heart pieces. You can route in heart containers. It's it's stressful early game. But the later you get, once you kind of your pilot kind of has a route built for you, telling you where to go next, that gives them time to you know figure out where all these safeties are, like where your mails are, where yeah. where your powder is, where the bottles are. If they're on the way, yeah, sure, get them. Like if you're in Meyer. And they're on the bridge chest. If you've got hookshot, that's really easy to grab on the way to Vitreous. But if, you know, if it's in the cutscene chest, is it worth it to you? That's a decision, like, you, the runner, honestly has to make on the fly if the cutscene chest is worth getting half magic. Yeah. And the debate of, you know, taking time to pick up a safety, I mean, we that's that's an ongoing sort of, you know, thing to consider in, in any seed, whether it's pilot or not. Um, just sort of elevates it when you've got someone else telling you, yes, it is a safety. Do you want to take the time to pick it up or not? Um, we could we could talk about that for probably hours. Oh, yeah. one thing I one thing I do want to cover before you move on to your tips for pilots. Um, I'm sort of realizing now, hearing you say this, that uh, it sounds like if you are the runner in a in a one of these pilot seeds, it's going to be better for that person for the runner to be someone who's comfortable with execution and sort of like low percent strats. Would you say that's a, a fair assessment? It's to be very good at it. I will say yes. Um, yeah. Ag- again, like if you're playing one of these for fun and which I advise everybody to do, that's an, even if you're not in the league, like if you've got a buddy, you can play one of these with or someone online, give it a go. Um, you don't have to play it for super speed. You can play it, to just try to figure out, you know, how efficient can we be? You know, mm-hmm. efficiency is the king in this. It's not so much, I mean, time, yes, because we're when we race it, it's competing. But I'm, I'm just going on the aspect of efficiency. And you can get all the safeties you want, too, like, that way. Mm-hmm. Like, that's good for practice, I think. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, week six of the ALTTPR League, it is also a race. So there's another team of two people doing the exact same thing that you're doing. You know, so you obviously have a very strong incentive to cut out as many safeties as you feel like you can you can handle. Yeah. So, 
All right. Speaking of that, let's let's talk a little bit about the pilot's role in all of this. What are some things to uh, you know prepare to consider to look out for when you are piloting somebody with one of these key sanity spoilers? Be effective about it, Dante. <laughs> Do what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that, be effective about it. Yeah, it's when you're a pilot, it's it's stressful. Like that because you have no control. You're you're at the mercy of your runner, and you can tell them what to do, and if they can't do it, you're kind of just sitting there. So that's that's where like the team aspect really comes into play. You know, and you you have faith in your pilot as the runner, and you have faith in your runner as the pilot. So you want to get a plan. First off, you want to honestly know where your runner is going to be going, and then you want to check those things and say you can get this here, this here, this here. You can skip things. You know, like. Like we said earlier, Chicken Hut is five bucks. You don't want to waste time with all those screen transitions and waiting for the bomb to go off. Plus, mm-hmm. you're probably, like you mentioned, Tim, you're going to be a little low percent. You don't want uh, you don't want your bomb assets to be you know depleted super quickly. Like you want to keep as many bombs as you can because you may need those from Mini Moldrum Cave in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like it. And it's kind of like I was saying earlier, a lot of these mirror each other. So if I know my runner's going to like Hyrule Castle area, like Uncle at the very beginning, I'm going to check all those things around it and just say, all right, we can write that whole place off and we never have to go there. Or we need to do back of escape, but that'll be after we get a glove or a lamp, you know, something along those lines. Yeah. Um, for some reason i just had this thought of like if you are the pilot of one of these you're kind of like uh that dude from the matrix that's like sitting at the console it's like oh yes you just now you know like and that's pretty that's pretty damn cool that's like a very cool visual of just like oh, you know like i'm i'm I'm, the, I'm your handler like i'm sending you to the right places and all that it's anyway I like that. that's yeah. that's pretty good i haven't thought of it that way but it's it's very uh it's very relevant like the, a tank or mouse, one of those two. I can't, I can't remember which. Operator, get me an exit to Ice Palace. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need a phone. Yeah, <laughs> the boots are deep in Ice Palace, and I don't have flippers, fire rod, bombos, or Titans mitts. Help me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no glitches or, or you know, uh, clipping people in to, through walls or anything like that. Unfortunately, but um, all right. What what are some uh, what, what's some advice that you have for? Uh, so, so obviously we need to start with a plan, right? Um, what are some key things to look for early? Keys, keys are a big thing early because you don't want to skip anything. Um, even if you don't need them, if it's in Kakariko early on when you don't know what's going on, you need to get keys. Just because you don't know if pendant dungeons are going to be required and it's going to be way too quick for you to figure all that out. So my advice is if you see a small key initially, you know, make your runner go ahead and grab it. Because mm-hmm. it's going to save time, big keys especially. Um, Makes sense. When they're kind of when you have a little bit of downtime early on, and the downtime at the beginning is very minimal. My biggest advice is go ahead and get your map check, and you may be able to convey that to your runner. But if you can't, you may want to open your own tracker and you know write it out really quick so you can call it out to them when they're ready, so they can put it on their own tracker. But mm. again, you don't want to be wasting time, uh, you know, tracking if you're in the pilot role. You know, you kind of want to help rely on your uh, your runner to do that for you since you're already like 
on their screen constantly watching things as well as the spoiler log. The the other thing along with the map check is the medallions because that is in the spoiler log. You'll be able to see that Turtle Rock is Bombos and that Misery Mire is Ether, and they're both crystals. So you're going to need both of those and that will help you say, all right, well, I got to find where Bombos is at some point and get my runner to that. And sorry, just real quick, just to interject. So when you open the spoiler log, that's a text file, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So what you're, what you're doing as a pilot is just a ton of control effing or command effing, right? Just like searching for things by name, whether it be the item or the item location, finding out that information and conveying it to your runner when and if it's necessary to do right. so, right? It's, it's a bunch of searching the document. And, and, and kind of, this is, we've had some discussions. The idea is you you can't really, it defeats the purpose of this if you're pasting this into like a, a Google Doc for your, your partner to see. Like you, that that's not really what you mm-hmm. want. Like that, that goes against the spirit of this. It's more of a team-based thing where you, have to be like verbally fed the information sure yeah that's as much kind of on um you know that's as much being kind of evaluated as the execution and and who wins first is like how efficient your communication was right and with this mode you the idea is it's not who is the most efficient at writing programs and who's the most efficient at excel and using all of its functions to to parse things like you just you don't do that it's all about the communication like that is the most important thing so like you have to and i'm bad at this you you have to learn to police yourself on how much information you are outpouring to your runner because if you just talk a whole lot like i do then they're not going to be able to retain all of it and they're just going to completely like forget something it's Mm -hmm. it's more efficient for you to have like if you found the next five steps, if you have a five-step program to get to the boots as fast as you can, it's best to kind of like type yourself a little bit of a cheat note. And then when they say, okay, what do I need next? Then you tell them what they need next. And that way you keep them on task. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Um, I like that advice because I, I definitely am someone I could see myself talking out loud about this a lot and saying a bunch of inconsequential stuff that doesn't matter and just confusing my runner. So I like your advice of kind of muting yourself. If you must talk it out, mute yourself, get your own act together and then come back and tell them what they need to know. Yeah, for sure. The other thing is good. don't be don't be gone for too long. Like if they ask you a question, if you need a minute, obviously is the, the pilot, tell them you need a minute. But I look at this as a situation of the runner may be doing, like you were mentioning a little while ago, a lot of low percent things. And if that is the case, they may need quiet time. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, I can usually do it with someone yelling in my ear, but not everyone has that ability. You know, sometimes people get really distracted no matter what they're doing in life if someone's yelling in their ear. So, sure. I mean, I get distracted at the 2x heartbeat because, good lord, it's so annoying. Oh, yeah. How does how do people play with that? But I mean, it's jokes so, aside, it's too much. Yeah, it's like you, it's the new soundtrack when it comes on. <laughs> it, it's all you think about when it comes out. Like, yeah. So, of that same mindset, it's like if your runner says, "Hey, hang on a second. Like, you get your act together. If you have to mute yourself, like you were just saying, do it and mm-hmm. type out what you want to say next if you have to." Or the next five things, like make yourself that cheat list I was talking about so you can be efficient. But at the same time, give your runner the respect to be quiet when they're doing something that they find very hard. 
And then as the runner, make sure you tell them, hey, I need you to shut up for a minute. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, I've said that before. Hey, shut up. Hang on. And then <laughs> I'll just do it. I'll be like, all right, sorry, I'm good. You know. Yeah. Be yeah, yeah. be blunt. Just be very, you know. Yeah, you your know, teammates. You, keep you it, both have the same goal. You don't yeah. have to be rude, but at the same time, you need to be yeah. very direct. Sure. Yeah. Now, so uh, obviously a lot of this, uh, the piloting is going to be to get your runner to get all of the crystals needed. Uh, to be, uh, Of course, this is um, uh, key sanity. So, you know, the requirements might change depending on the seat, of course. But once they get them into go mode, what is the pilot doing from that point on? Because it seems to me they wouldn't, you know, their, their job is almost sort of done in a way. So what, how do they make themselves useful? Well, depending on how comfortable the runner is, I mean, you could sit back and light up a cigarette and just <laughs> relax. But um, you know, crack open a cold one, but yeah, I actually wouldn't recommend smoking a cigarette. I don't, I don't feel comfortable <laughs> recommending that people smoke a cigarette on this show, even though Herpy Derpy tacitly does that with his own actions. Every I mean, I recommend it for <laughs> don't listen to him. No, I mean, I, I, I don't do that personally, but yeah, I mean, if you want to crack open a cold one, do whatever you want. Like, I'm okay with that. You can, if you're, if you're of age, of course, honestly, <laughs> you, at that point. When you, when you have your route to go mode, not that your runner's in go mode, but when you know, okay, we're on the path and I've got every piece of the puzzle to get them there. Every pilot I've talked to has basically been like, I can breathe. Like, I can literally just take a breath and stop panicking. Because I, I just feel like your blood pressure goes up like an astronomical amount when you're piloting because... Yeah. You have that spoiler log. You feel like you want to get them as much information as quickly as possible, but you honestly can't. It has to, you know, you have to get piece by piece, and the runner has to get it piece by piece. Yeah. Yeah. Really fascinating. I'm really looking forward to seeing all of these races and the kind of strategies that people take when we do get to week six of the league. Yeah, for um, sure. And yeah. and to, to add into that, like, things to do that aren't, like, breathing, relaxing, and drinking cold ones uh you can honestly look for convenience items like if if the top of gt has another sword then hey find it tell them like hey there's mm -hmm. a sword there don't you know and if they skip it it's on them you've got to make sure you tell them because if your partner is doing master sword ganon with silvers we'll say and your opponent managed to your opposing pilot managed to say hey there's a sword at the top of gt and you'll have tempered when you go to ganon that's a huge time difference so you know gt you don't want to it depends on where the gt big key is depending on how far you want to go through gt but uh you know at least the chests on the way up assuming you have the big key when you enter gt that is that's kind of my strat is like all right is there anything on the way up there because i'm not going in the basement if i don't have to yeah mm -hmm. gotcha okay all right. Well, I think that was a pretty thorough uh, recap of Pilot Seed. Also, one final thing to say on the subject is, of course, you know, we were kind of focused on the week six setup, that key sanity competitive kind of aspect. But I do think this is also a really fun one. If you maybe have someone who's not as familiar with the game um, and you just want to involve them in some way, like in a kind of couch co-op sort of way, maybe like a significant other or a younger sibling or something like that. Um, this can be a good way to do that too. Just have them get, get the spoiler seat up and, you know, you, that's a good way to have them kind of participate. Be like, Hey, Hey honey, where's uh where's the hammer? You know, just like ask them questions while you're playing. <laughs> and that way they're not just, you know, twiddling their thumbs and watching you. They can sort of be involved. Um, so that's, that's pilot seeds. The last one we're going to talk about today is co-op info share. This is uh, the week seven setting for the ALTTPR league. And it is, um, 
we sort of talked about it a little bit when we were talking about the seed that we're going to generate for our bi-weekly seed this time. Um, but it is just both runners uh, in an all-dungeon, uh, uh, you know, in, in an uh, all-dungeon seed starting at the same time. And they're both playing their own game, but they can share verbally the information about the seed with one another. So, you know, I imagine there's going to be a lot of like, okay, I'll go to Kakariko first. You go to, you know, Eastern area or something. You know, there'll be a lot of like yep. kind of splitting up so that you're covering more ground and you're both kind of the pilot and the runner in that situation, right? So, um, Dante again has prepared uh, some notes on this. So, Dante, what do you have for us on these uh, co op seats? So, with co op, I do want to say this like, with week seven, it is okay to have like a Google Doc, a shared Google Doc. Yeah. yeah. That and, makes sense. Um, it can be a time sink if you use a Google Doc, if I'm being honest. But if you, can, if you can do it one-handed efficiently, then it'll save you time. Uh, that's that's my opinion. So the biggest thing is communication, whether it be in text form or verbal. Verbal is obviously going to be the easiest. The, the minor notes, like, you know, my thought is, like, I've typed out, like, okay, I'm going to dive eastern while my opponent, or my partner, rather, is, like, doing south shore because we got, like, a weapon or something where I can sure. get through it. So, uh, you know, or just even dive it, I mean. So, like, I'm going to go over there, and if I get the big key in the first chest, like, one thing I might put on the thing is EPBK1, like, chest 1. Mm. Because there's usually with Eastern, there's a certain order everybody does the thing in. They do the cannonball room, which would be one. They go over to the right and do that room that I don't even know what it's called. I think that's the compass room. Um, yeah. And, you know, that would be two. So, like, you develop a system with your partner. Um, obviously, you can't be this specific with, say, just, you know, a buddy you may be randomly playing with. So, at that point, you would just say, hey, it's the right chest in EP. That has a big key. Something to get them that big key. And then you could say mm. skip everything else or bow is in bow's vanilla. Like big keys on the right side and bow's vanilla. Stuff like that is, are the notes you want to jot down, I guess. So like developing a shorthand with your partner because you're not going to have a lot of time to be typing this out. You know, yeah. type usually you're, you're either playing the game with the other hand or you're not playing at all while you type. And you obviously want to minimize that because you are racing. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's a thing where you don't even have to do this, but if you're going to use a document like this, you're going to have to develop some form of a shorthand. The the mm -hmm. big thing is when you're deciding where it, who's going to go where. So, you know, the biggest thing at the start is there are two starting points when you boot the game up. So, my honest to god opinion is somebody needs to start at the house and somebody <laughs> needs to start at sanctuary. Don't say that's somebody when you're talking to your partner. You say, I'm going to start here, and you start there. like, Or just where are you comfortable starting with? Get all that ironed out before the race is happening. And that way you can kind of figure out, like, you know, I don't have to waste the three seconds it takes to check Link's house chest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Okay. Any other thoughts on uh, how to effectively communicate with your partner and, and, you know, cut down on time with one of these seats? Yeah, like, you want to consider your... Um, your item loadout and that's uh that that's one of the things is like where do i want to go next well i got the bow and we both have dark world access but my partner may have not gone to eastern to get said bow so if we both have dark world access i guess i should be the one to go into palace of darkness potentially 
Not that that's going to be the right play. It's just like, that's an option. So I would, if I'm in that situation, I'm going to tell my partner, Hey, I'm going to pod. You go here. You know, you kind of want to, you want to pipe up and just say, you know, this is what I think we should do. And if they don't have any objections to it, then all right, everyone's on task. Some, everybody's checking stuff and we'll know if we can skip things. Um, Usually I like to call out, since I map track, I like to call out, say, you know, C-shaped house is trash. So then if my partner's map tracking, they can check it off their tracker. I don't say, hey, this was five bucks, so you don't have to get it. That is a lot of words to to convey. Like, here's the biggest thing. This goes back to the pilot thing. What's considered trash? So it really depends on the skill level of your 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 partner so mm-hmm. a lot of people i play with most times they'll call heart pieces as trash so i'm not going to get those heart pieces but yeah. your partner yeah. may need those so you you want to clarify all that up front and just say all right what what heart number are you okay at so then you could basically tell them heart pieces and heart containers up until a certain point asking throughout the seed hey how, how are you on equipment are you good and if they're good you can start calling things like more things as trash. Like a heart container could be trash at that point because maybe you need to save that five to 10 seconds. If you're like, if your partner's that comfortable. Mm -hmm. One of the things you have written here is that the better execution player should maybe be the one to do the more out of the way checks. Is that, you know, with the assumption that they're going to be able to do that faster and then maybe save the other person the trip. It can be. Um, That's, that's kind of very subjective. So, you know, Bombo's tablet, that's very out of the way. And if, if I'm on the, like, let's say it's me and you, Tim, and yep. we'll, we'll say, and this, this sounds like I'm tooting my own horn. Let's say I'm the one with the better, like, execution or whatever. So Yeah, okay, it, let's, let's say that. If I'm on the mountain, there is no reason for me to go do that Bombo's tablet check when you are already in South Dark World with a mirror and a book. Yeah. So, like, it's very subjective. So, for instance, let's say, okay, there's a chance of, you know, there we could do Ice Palace and, say, Swamp Palace at the same time. And since it's all dungeons, you're going to have to do every dungeon. So, you may want to send the person, like, if they're comfortable with, uh, like, let's say your your partner's not as good as at, at the execution part or being efficient, like, in the world, running around, so on and so forth. You may want to send them to ice. There's less checks. There's more screen transitions and everything in swamp. So you could save them time by saying, hey, your swamp's a go mode. Like, there's nothing there. Like, if you go through it and you check everything, then by all means, like, let them skip it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the biggest problem you'll see is a lot of people find, like, an item and then they, like, their partner finds an item and they're like, oh, I need that. I'm going to stop what I'm doing. No. Yeah. That is like the worst thing because then you leave these checks that are unknown. And if they're unknown, then that could be like even more of a time sink. The biggest, the biggest like, uh, like offender of that is when, when your partner finds the boots, you know, you always think it's going to be faster if I have the boots or, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. And it, it, a lot of times it is, it's just, do you really want to leave the back of pod to go get the boots when you can full clear pod, just finish pod. And then, that way you know what items are there and then you can go get your boots. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Um, so in general, you know, and, and another thing you have written down here is you, you want to kind of spread out and diversify your efforts until you do know everything needed for go mode so that you're not kind of doubling one another's efforts. One of the things you have written here is that you should never both be in the same dungeon at one time. And that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, if you are, if you are, the only time it's really acceptable is like a bottleneck of progression. Yeah. Like if you got if you guys have searched the world far and wide, and your Titans mitts are on Helmosaur, and that's like literally last location. That happens a lot in co-op because between the two of you, you've checked everything else. If there's a bottleneck in progression like that, then you're gonna have to potentially be in the dungeon at the same time. And if that bottleneck happens, just know your opposing team is going to have that same bottleneck. Sure. And, yeah. you know, unless someone, you know, dove it super early, you can kind of piece together your logic and figure out, you know, where where things have, like, panned out and how likely is the, the god route in this seed. Yeah. Now, a quick note, a specific, uh, actually a couple things specific to the ALTTPR League application of this because, you know, I know a lot of our listeners are in the league and they'll be preparing for this. Um, these are all dungeon seeds that are going to be used for this co-op. So um, as you've noted here, it is possible that something needed to open up a pendant dungeon and complete it could be in Ganon's Tower. So just something to keep in mind, kind of a quirk of all dungeons. Um, don't forget to factor that into your routing. And then the other thing specific to the league is the way that they're doing the... Um, the way that they're deciding the winner is they're going to take the average of the two teammates' times and calculate that so it's going to be the average of one team versus the average of another which to me means essentially just like there's no reason to forfeit ever like you you're you know oh yeah how you know the you're the other person's slower person versus you maybe if you're the slower person on your team you're how where you guys finish matters just as much as those people you know who are maybe top tier players who finished it way earlier you know plus fantasy so right yeah plus fantasy but yeah like if you forfeit, that's like infinity time, right? So there's no way that you have a shot. The The idea is if you finish 1-2, like if you and your partner, if me and Tim finish 1-2 in a race, um, we win. You know, the, the average yeah. time, it, it matters, but it doesn't matter because it's over then. But if someone wins and then someone else gets a dot done in second, it's still not over. And depending on how spaced out it is, if there's a dot done in third and you're still going, but your partner got first, you still have a shot at this. Mm-hmm. So stay calm, stay focused, stay on task, just finish the game. Like your partner can actually potentially look at it and tell you like what the time difference is. Like what, how, how fast do you have to beat it? Do we have a shot at it? You know? So the, the good way of like the, the cheat way of doing this is like, I say cheat, but the shorthand way is like, if, if I finish with an hour 30, and then the next person clock, person clocks in at an hour 35. These are all like on the dot, we'll say. So we get the seconds out of it. Um, and then three minutes later, uh, the other person finishes. I'm going to know that, all right, at, from that given point, I've got five minutes. I've got to beat the game in five minutes or less. Because that's what that gap of first to second is. Yeah. That's interesting. That's something you might not have thought of right away. So definitely I'll, good to keep in I'll, mind. I'll attest to this. Uh, in in the league season one, we lost one of our um, one of our races because I didn't stay calm. I tried to go too fast. I fell to Ganon, 
and I thought that was like a make or break situation. And it turns out I had a little bit of time. And if I had taken my time, I wouldn't have fell. And we'd have won by like 15, 20 seconds. But instead, because of because I fell, there was zero chance for me to make that deadline um, going forward. And that was a situation that also came up in that same seed where there was something to do a pendant dungeon in GT. It was the mirror. So that is something that can happen and that's why you have to keep that in mind when you do these all dungeons seeds yeah very good awesome dante thank you so much for putting that uh putting that information together i hope that was helpful to those of you who are in the league or just looking for ways to enjoy the game beyond you know just kind of playing it on your own um i'll give you guys this opportunity now do we have any other final thoughts on ways to play this game with more than one person that we haven't already talked about that's what I like to hear. We're super <laughs> thorough. We, we covered it all. We literally said everything you can say about it. Efficiency. Yep, we're uh, infallible, as they mm-hmm. say. Well, I'm sure we probably missed something, so uh, be sure to chime in in our Discord or send us an email if you have any other thoughts on the topic. And uh, speaking of emails, let's go ahead and answer a few right now. All right, so we have six fetch questions to get through i actually think we can probably get through all these uh because i don't think any of them except for maybe one are super in-depth um but if if you know we're going long or you know herb's getting cranky or something we might cut it and do the the rest (laughs) of them next time or if i'm feeling like it's going to take too long to edit with that no more stalling let's get into the first one uh from our good friend walter the fourth who says hello the alttp league is starting soon there is seven weeks of play and seven different modes I wonder if there were an eighth week to the league and you got to pick the mode for that week, what mode would you choose? Have a great day, Walter the Fourth. That's a very interesting question. Uh, Herf, I will kick it off to you. What would be another fun mode beyond the seven that we have for ALTTPR League? BK mode. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Uh, I love it. No, to be honest, I'm I'm not 100% sure what all the modes are in the league. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I don't have them all memorized, so I can't really say. Um, I'd personally be very interested in, uh, say, two versus two multi-world. Yes, that's, yeah. And when you said BK mode, I assumed you meant like a multi-world. Mm-hmm. That yeah, would be exactly. mine too. Yeah, like two or three. Even It would be hard, you know, just due to people's availability, but I would love a 3v3. That would yeah, be super it's mostly cool. the people's availability that would make it hard, but uh, since right. the multi-world itself supports teams, it, it make it very interesting, I think. I'd, I think it'd be a blast. Yeah, yeah. Dante, what about you? I want multi-world, like, in that sense, but I understand why we don't have it in the league. Um, yeah. I'd mm-hmm. love just to make everyone pull their hair out, like a bonus week that really doesn't affect anything. We'll call it the All-Star Week. Okay. Um, I would love to have a Nightmare Seed and oh, man. make people <laughs> suffer. It could be co-op. I don't even care. Like, just something to that effect. Like, it would be. I think it would be fun and awful for everybody, including me. <laughs> man. Yeah, I probably would have said, uh, like, a small multi-world. I think the only other thing that, that occurred to me that might be kind of cool is if week, week 8 was just, like, another open. Or maybe, like, a standard. You know, something a lot more basic as, like, a final palette cleanser. 
like, okay, you know, we started with a very regular, um, you know, normal sort of setup mode. Uh, and then we tried out a lot of different, you know, types of other seeds and things. And now we're going back to, you know, the basics, you know, and like taking everything that you kind of experienced and applying all of that knowledge to just another, you know, open 7-7 defeat Ganon. I think that could be kind of cool. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you for the question. Well, they're the sixth, uh, or the fourth, sorry. I can't read Roman numerals. Um, <laughs> yeah, great question. Let's move on. Um, we actually have a kind of follow-up from, uh, Nereza, who asked us last time about Zelda Ancient Stone Tablets. Um, and it looks like they have kind of a clarification. So, Nereza says, hi, thanks for responding to my fetch question last time. Correction I want to make is that the part four ROM for Ancient Stone Tablets has the entire game in it, but the limitation was that you had an hour to beat everything you hadn't done yet. Of course, uh, if you play it now, you can remove that hour time limit, so they wouldn't need to worry about combining ROMs, luckily. Anyway, for a question, how often have you had to open the Ganon's Tower big chest? What's the most unusual required item you've seen there? From theory crafting, I came up with flippers in the big chest with three swords in swamp. Thanks. So I uh, I actually have never had to open Ganon's Tower big key chest in all the many you know hundred plus seeds that I've played. I don't think I've ever had to do that. What about you guys? No, me neither. Yeah, I know it's it's theoretically possible. When we looked at that fifty k spoiler <laughs> log, you know we 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 would occasionally sometimes see important items in there. Dante, have yeah. you ever had this happen to you? I mean, I played in the Plando tournament, so yes. Oh. <laughs> um, a lot of wise guys out there. Out of like out of it, I will say I've opened it in hopes of sword mode, and I I can't honestly I'll be honest I can't recall if I got my sword from there, but I know I've opened it looking for a sword. Like I was in GT to beat the game. It wasn't a logically forced type thing. It was just an option that was available to me. So I, I took, think I took it. Yeah. yeah, I think realistically, at least, you know, just mulling it over really quickly in my head right now, that's the only situation where I can see anyone opening that chest to look for a sword or maybe silvers. Uh, well, the hookshot could be in there with the right um, crystal loadout, right? It could. But mm-hmm. that, that yeah, sounds there's a like, couple of items. That sounds yeah. like Plando garbage. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, I've never had to worry about it. But, you know, and the one that Nereza suggested with the flippers in there and then three swords and swamp. I mean, there's no way. I, well, I can't say there's no way the randomizer would do that because randomizer does, you know, crazy stuff like that all the time. But it would that that smells of a plando to me for sure. Mm-hmm. Like something that, you know, only human could be that evil. Computers <laughs> would never do that to us. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Um, cool, but Nereza, thanks so much for following up with us. Another great question. Um, let's keep rolling right along. This one was uh, a follow-up from Brushy Sunshine um, from uh, the Fall of the House of Sunshine. Thanks for reading my question and giving uh, the podcast a shout-out. My pleasure. I figured more dark rooms would be a no-go issue. I was thinking more like shuffling a set number of rooms, not 50-50, but mostly I just wanted to inspire content. Keep up the great work. So, yeah, they basically just wanted to <laughs> um, disavow the garbage that i said about you know every <laughs> room being a 50 50 shot of being dark and i don't blame them for that yeah, um, fair so, enough. yeah. but i do you know just to talk about it one more time i do think that you know if there was a set amount of dark rooms and those shuffled around i'd, I'd be down to play that if somebody developed yeah it. that could be okay yeah um okay so this next one i'm not going to read the whole thing i'll read the first paragraph and then kind of summarize to the best of my ability but this one is from ben creighton 
And uh, the first paragraph reads, I loved hearing you guys briefly touch on the mission statement of the ALTTPR League and by extension, the randomizer community in general on the latest podcast. I think conversations like this are absolutely crucial to have as the community grows and a public facing forum like your podcast is a fantastic place to be having them. Uh, so Ben, I thank you so much for, for that. That's exactly what we try to do. Um, to summarize the rest of their email, they're essentially coming out very much in favor of what Fear Agent did with regards to opening up the league to more teams. And um, what they are sort of championing in this email is the importance of participation. And uh, they've actually written an article that they have published on medium.com that I will absolutely link in the description. It's a wonderful read. I definitely recommend everyone read through it. But it's pretty much just, you know, Ben Creighton had a sort of realization um, in dealing with a sort of alternate kind of, um, you know, world than ALTTPR, a different kind of activity or hobby or whatever, um, that, you know, the power of participation is extremely important. And in his opinion, one of the reasons that Randomizer works as well as it does, you know, and, and is such a strong, uh, positive community is because we do believe so much in participation, people stepping in to help track and restream and, um, you know, whatever it may be, race in these, in these you know, in tournaments and uh, put together a team and be a part of the league. Um, and I, I definitely can appreciate that perspective. So um, I, I do definitely agree with Ben Creighton. I will say um, I still do think that 64 teams in a league is too much. And it's more of a semantics argument than a like exclusionary argument. I think that everyone should be allowed to play. I just would advocate for a tiered system where there is a top level that people aspire to get to and then maybe lower levels under that where skill level is still somewhat consistent. So, you know, that would be my uh, kind of clarification to what I was, you know, kind of getting at before, which is not that it should be, you know, an exclusionary thing where not everyone is allowed to be involved, but more that people should have to fight and work to be at the top level. Um, but there should still be ways to participate, even if you're not good enough to be at that level, if that sort of makes sense. Um, do you guys have any thoughts uh, weighing back in on this uh, this email or just kind of that general conversation in general? I think you summed it up pretty well from, you know, what I understood. Uh, I haven't completely read everything that he said. I especially haven't read his article, which I'm very interested in. Yeah, but, great. I, definitely uh, I, I think he brings up some good points, but I also would uh, um, prefer a, a tiered model that you suggested because I think for a lot of people, especially the more competitive kind of people, it's not only an important thing to have something to aspire to and to be like the best at something, but it also gives you, if you're a, a not top tier player, it gives you something to, to look up to and to, you know, kick your butt, so to speak, to be better and get better at it exactly yeah my thought Angie. with this is like i agree with the participation and the reason of that is i'm very performance driven whether mm -hmm. like everything i do in my life and it's not so much that i always have to be the best it's i want to just do my best so sometimes i surprise myself and sometimes i let myself down all these things happen it's it's part of life it's part of growth and it applies to rando as well. My thought is the only reason I am not a big fan of the tiered system. Um, one, you're kind of taking the rando aspect out of it. And then you've got your great executioner players at the top. And then you've got, you know, people who maybe haven't had the opportunity to play in a big race and make a name for themselves. That is actually really good. 
or has the potential to be very, very good. Uh, they, they haven't had that shot yet. So in this situation that we have it, and, and maybe I'm misreading what you guys are saying, um, but in the situation where we have it, like you've got a shot to play a lot of really good players. And if this is something you're doing for fun, great. If you want to have the opportunity to take down the gems, the axe, the jets of the world, then this is the shot you get. Like You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And if you take a shot and miss at beating somebody that you think is like a god tier runner of the game then that happens but if you were to beat them then you may shock yourself because it's randomizer that can happen and i think it's a huge confidence booster as far as playing competitively when you take that shot and you either get really close to it or you actually succeed at it yeah um so this reminds me very very much of a topic that in my own a personal kind of niche activity that I was involved with for many, many years uh, is something we've been talking about for a very long time. So in the world of indoor drumline, it's sort of a pageantry kind of thing where um, ensembles, there are some that are tied to schools, there are some that are independent, um, but it's all uh, younger people. You actually age out of it at the age of 22, I think. So, um, you know, it's only for youth, but the top groups are like internationally known in our community for being really really good and one of the draws is that like they're always going to put butts in seats because they put on amazing shows and they play very very clean um and you know the designers there are some of the best in the industry so people want to audition for these groups and be a part of them uh but they're also really really good school you know school level groups that's like almost as good as them and then under that you have open groups that are from really good programs and then you get to a and then double a you know and it kind of goes down from there and there's tears everyone is celebrated as having worked really hard and being very passionate about what they do not everyone gets to decide if they're you know from a good school or not everyone can afford to be in the better groups but having the tiers allows everyone to participate but it still denotes you know like there is an upper tier and there is sort of a goal and you know the most uh spectatorship is is um generated from these top groups as well so that's kind of what i would like to see in rando is some sort of amalgamation of of that and i know it's not exactly the same but um and, and you know in the community i'm describing we get it wrong all the time there are definitely open level groups that are way better than some of the lower tier world-class groups you know so there's a lot of like confusion and mixture there too but you know i do think that sort of model makes a lot of sense yeah, I, I can see what you're saying there, and th and that makes sense to me. Um, yeah, it, it's just I feel like that that's a like your your thing there, and just my my personal take of it is it, it is a 100 percent skill based and talent based thing. Whereas mm -hmm. rando, I mean, we like to joke and say rando gonna rando, and yeah, it does. So <laughs> you know, like that's that's my only hang up with a tiered system i mean if we want to do a ladder project or you know something better than srl points you know at this point whose line points are better than srl <laughs> points but yeah um you know that, that that's one thing we can quantify skill based on that but um yeah and yeah. an interesting point about fantasy uh is that it's kind of doing that for us as well too right i guess you that's know, like, true yeah, yeah i haven't thought of that i mean the, the thing is, like, with fantasy, you know, with the league, you only have to play four weeks. So yeah, if, you know, you play the minimum and then somebody else that's not on your team, like, because if you drafted me, we'll say, and I only played four weeks, but then you had another runner that, like, your, like, your opposing person had six weeks or someone plays six weeks, they, they're going to get more points just by default. 
that, that's like that's like the first flaw that comes to mind. But yeah, I, I'm not. I'm, I don't want to argue semantics over that. I was just making <laughs> right. making a point. Well, the other thing about what I was talking about with the drum lines is there are judges that are very much just kind of using their own uh, deciding. You know, they they have sheets that they go off of or whatever. But if a judge likes one show and doesn't like another show, and they'll rate that one higher, I got that, you. That's almost kind of like you know an unknown to the whole factor as well. Ideally, it should be clear you know if someone's really good like most people can agree they are they deserve to win but there's a lot of contention in those you know, mid rounds too you know oh yeah for sure so but yeah i, I could talk about this all day it's, it's, it's very fascinating to me i love the parallels between this community and other communities and uh one more time i'll recommend people check out ben creighton's article because it, it speaks to this very much and uh i found very very interesting so um, with that, I think we, I will go ahead and bump these last two. They are shorter, but I want to leave us some things to talk about next time. Um, so if you send us a question either in our discord or an email and you didn't hear it read just now, um, I assure you we'll get it, we'll get to it next time. And if you would like to send in a question for us to read on an upcoming episode, you can, uh, all you have to do is send it to email at gomodepodcast.com, or you can use the contact form on our website, gomodepodcast.com. Um, all the normal stuff that I always say, you know, Twitter at go mode podcast, join our discord. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitch. You know, all that stuff. Just pretend that I said all that. Um, Dante, if people want to watch you play, how can they do that? They don't want to do that. <laughs> I do sometimes. <laughs> uh, twitch.tv slash Dante with three A's as you all know, Dante. What about you? Herf? Uh, they'll need to travel to another dimension, or they can go to <laughs> twitch.tv slash herfydurfy. <laughs> nice. Uh, and for me, it's twitch.tv slash timp underscore. I'm also going to take a moment to shout out uh, my wife's clothing reselling business. She uh, sells brand name clothing online um, that is thrifted. Uh, it is her full-time job. So if you go to kitkatscloset.com, K-I-T-K-A-T-S, C-L-O-S-E-T.com. It's my wife's. Uh, that will redirect you to my wife's Poshmark page. And uh, feel free to browse her wares. Maybe you see something you like. Maybe you buy it. And you indirectly support my household in, in a way. Dante uh, <laughs> just gave me a confused emote in our Discord. I promised my wife I would do that. And I'm, I'm happy to do it. Uh, she works really, really hard. And everyone go check it out. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, and uh, the final thing, I think we forgot to say this last time, but iTunes reviews, if you want to give us one, we sure would appreciate it if you enjoy the show. It really helps us out. I check those. I check for those frequently, and it always brightens my day to, to see a new one left. So consider giving us a shout-out uh, iTunes review if you enjoy the show. And if you don't know what to put in that review, just click five stars and put in the comments, here's a review, it really helps you out. And then that's, that's, all, you, that's all you've got to put. <laughs> That's fine. You can do that if you want. I would rather you say something nice, but if, if you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say anything and just give us five stars only. Um, cool. Okay. Well, that's a wrap on this one. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of Go Mode. And uh, we'll, we'll be back again soon. All right. Time to mirror out. Um, so another thing that happened is uh, they voted on the ALTTPR Racing Council bylaws and they ratified those. So cool. All right, great. The episode's done. <laughs> Yay, we made it. I'm just going to snip that, throw it right back in there. Uh-huh. Um, also, um, yeah, we totally ratified those and uh, 
currently the council is voting on all of those glitches like Diver Down and Icebreaker, so on and so forth. So there will be results on those soon, TM. Awesome. We look forward to hearing more about that. All right, sweet.